This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. And welcome to Nitro Nights and a podcast trudging its way back through WCW from the very first episode of Monday Nitro to the very last episode of Monday Nitro, taking lots of little side roads and stops such as Thunder, Carter Champions, various pay-per-views and the goddamn Dungeon of Bloody Doom. Ugh. But it's got to be done because if we don't do it, who will? Well, somebody else, probably, but we're going to get in there first. So there we go. Joining me this week and always is my glorious co-host, the fantastic Scottish juggalo, Mr. Danny. How are we doing, sir? Hello, sir. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Back for another week. Um, how are you doing, sir? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. My throat's still a bit off. Uh, same as last week. A little bit of a spoiler. We're recording these episodes back to back. So I've not had seven days rest. I've had about seven minutes. But there we go. It's, it is what it is. My throat's a little bit sore still, but... There we go. Can't expect it to uh, repair itself with one sip of squash, I suppose. <laughs> so then, our second episode of Nitro, broadcast on September the 11th, 1995, from Miami, the Night Centre, uh, the first proper arena we're witnessing an episode of Nitro being broadcast from. The ratings, we have Nitro at 2.4, so kind of holding a rough same figure as the previous week when it ran unopposed. Monday Night Raw on the other channel, however, at 2.5. Now, you put into context that they were running roughly a 3.4 throughout the whole of August. Perhaps Nitro already in this second week have made a little bit of a dent. Interesting. We'll keep an eye on that as we go by week by week. The arena is the first time we see the proper Nitro set with the commentary booth 
the sort of metal girders, the nitro signs, and some pyro. So as I suppose we looked at the Mall of America last week, Danny, what were your thoughts on seeing, I suppose, a proper set this week, I guess? This was really refreshing, to be honest. Um, uh, just like the other uh, last week's ones, um, this was some start of something new. Um, this would be the the classic Nitro Arena that was on, uh, that would be, I think it was there till, uh, was it to the end or... Maybe not. Just yeah, there was before. a few changes, yeah, yeah. And, and towards to, the end, the end of WCW, there's there's many dramatic changes. It kind mm. of really yeah. is a, a di- it's almost a different company, really. Yeah, but I know what you mean. For a long time, you had the same similar sort of layout, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it was really, uh, it was good to see that this is where it started. Um, I'd thought it started uh, le- later on, but no, it's yeah, really good arena. Yeah, it's laid out well, and there's there's a lot of pyro and stuff, and it just looks exciting again, doesn't it? It's, it just looks. Mm. You know, you look at Raw on the other channel, it's kind of, it's very well lit, Monday Night Raw, and the production yeah. values that WWF have is always very good. But when comparing 95 Raw with, with like the, the clowns and the plumbers and the hockey players and all that, and then you look at Nitro and it's a bit darker, you have the fireworks, and yes, you've still got stupid characters, of course you have, but... Yeah. You, you know, you, it, it's already I can see differences there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It's more reality based, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, uh, we get Eric Bischoff on commentary again with Bobby Heenan and Mongo McMichael. Somebody we didn't mention last week was Mongo's little dog. I believe his name is Pepe. Uh, he wears a different costume each week. A little bit unusual to have a lapdog with you on commentary, I think. Danny, yeah, have you ever it, seen something like this before? No, it was something new, wasn't it? Uh, it was something that definitely wouldn't fly by in the WWE at any era. Well, I suppose, I mean, they used to bring a lot of animals to the ring in the WWE, mm. didn't they? In the 80s, I suppose, yeah. like you, you had parrots and snakes and oh, yeah, dogs and all sorts, but not <laughs> sat on some guy's lap in a fancy dress doing commentary. That's a bit, yeah. But there we go. OTT, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a bit of a character. I wonder if I wonder if Pepe got his own merch. Hmm. You know, Pepe the dog T-shirts or something. <laughs> it could be. I'm sure he was on his own paycheck at, at one point. <laughs> yeah, maybe. If there's a Pepe the dog, I'm, I'm saying Pepe. I, I hope that's his name. I hope I haven't got it wrong. But if I, I'm saying Pepe the dog T-shirt, if one of those exists, I hope somebody listening finds it and sends me a link because I now want one. You know, <laughs> I want a Pepe the dog T-shirt. Pepe was over. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what I want written on the T-shirt. That's what I want. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> we got another reference to Vader being AWOL, as we touched upon last week. Uh, but Vader's not AWOL. Vader's been fired by this stage. He's gone for scrapping with Paul Orndorff again, as we mentioned last week. And we go straight into the action, don't we, don't we, Danny? We go straight into the action with the debuting Sabu. And a guy who you're going to see quite a bit of over the next coming weeks, Alex Wright. Now, Sabi, obviously, you're aware of from ECW, WWE, and, and so on. Uh, and we'll touch upon him in a moment. Do you know much about Alex Wright at all? No, uh, this is uh, a rare time of seeing Alex Wright. I don't think I've seen a full match of his. Um, this was actually a really good uh, way to start natural, just like last week, starting it with a bang. Um, yeah, yeah, it was nice to see. Yeah, I mean, Alex Wright, I mean, he, he's he's of German descent and he comes out in trunks, knee pads and boots for those who have not seen him, and then a leather jacket, but it doesn't quite look 
right. It doesn't quite look cool like when some other guys do it. It looks kind of, I don't know, kind of a bit geeky, a bit off, a bit try hard maybe. But in the ring, I think Alex Wright's great. We're getting moonsaults from this guy. We're getting German suplexes, top rope drop kicks. And I've literally got a note here saying Alex Wright. Oh, why? I mean, this guy's really tall, quite gangly. He's not he's not yeah. particularly broad, but some of the stuff he was putting out, was re- I, I thought was pretty spectacular. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he had a look as well. Um, but uh, he, um, yeah, the crowd popped for big moves, I would notice, in this match, the dives and things like that. Um, bit of an odd finish uh, for me, but yeah. What did you think of the uh, match overall? The match overall, I really enjoyed. Uh, I like Sabu. I, well, I like Sabu here. And around this time, before he's crippled himself and can barely move, (laughs) which he goes on to do. Alex Wright in the ring, I think, is always kind of underrated from what I've seen in other WCW events and pay-per-views. So I I never realised these two had ever faced each other. So this was quite an interesting thing for me. You mentioned there about the the weird finish. I mean, just talk us through that, Danny, and and explain to the listeners what, what happened there. Yep. Uh, to me, it looked like a possible botch, but it might not have been. Uh, so the whole finish was a reverse decision um, because uh, I didn't know someone could be disqualified for, um, what, did he jump out the ring or something? And then he was like, smash. And then um, the referee just overturned the decision, which if that happened, if, if reverse decisions would be unlimited if... if um, everything was going right but yeah what i mean it was it was an odd one wasn't it just yeah it was i mean ultimately i i've seen it in wwf as well um mm. can sham he used to have quite a bit with shamrock in the yeah. late 90s when he would win a match and then keep attacking someone or not release the submission hold or and the referee would reverse his decision and that's kind of what happened here sabu picks up the pinfall in a, in a kind of funny top rope kind of victory roll kind of effort i guess yeah. It didn't quite look like it was exactly what they were planning, but it still looked okay to me, I suppose. Sabu then, even though he's won the match, decides I'm not done yet because I haven't broken a table, and that's my gimmick. So he gets a table, does a crazy kind of flip outside the ring, through the table, smashes the table, and so on, which results in the referee overruling his original decision and overturning the decision, sorry, and awarding the match to Alex Wright via disqualification, which I suppose makes Alex Wright pick up a victory and Sabu leaves in everyone's memories. I suppose the term is keeping him strong, I suppose, yep. for want of, a, want of a better term. Yep. I mean, uh, taking a pin, I guess. Yeah, it really does. It helps him. Um, it, it not, I know it's something. I mean, I'll probably be doing this. Um, uh, this was the second disqualification in uh, Nitro history. So we've had two DQs in the first two shows. So oh, I was okay. thinking maybe they're saying uh, it, they're saying expectations low. <laughs> no, that is very interesting. I didn't notice that. Is that something you're going to keep tabs on for us as we go yeah. through? Yeah, keep tabs yeah, on I'll, be, I'll, be the, I'll be the finished guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Signed. That's good. That's good. Interesting. That'll be good. I mean, especially when we get X amount of episodes in to sort of look at where we stand and maybe because obviously this era of WCW is obviously different to the NWO era of WCW, which we're going to come to be interesting comparing the two facts and figures, I guess, to sort of see, did it change much when the NWO came in and so on? That could be very interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I mean, we then get a very wild crowd with mean Gene Oakland standing in the center of the ring, a big ECW sign in the crowd as well, which is, 
you know, again, as we mentioned last week with the Hogan sucks signs, they'd have been removed in, in other companies, but WCW just didn't seem to give too much of a shit, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so this big ECW sign stays there. Ric Flair comes out to a great reaction. He's talking about his upcoming match the following weekend with Arn Anderson, his former best friend, at Fall Brawl, where they've kind of had a bit of a falling out, but I'm sure we'll, we'll cover the ins and outs of that feud when we cover Fall Brawl in our next episode. And then Lex Luger comes out, gets in the ring, and then Lex Luger gets out the ring and goes back to the change room. Yep. <laughs> Nine. Bit. Can have I missed something here? Was was what what was that? I I just took it as they were building the, uh, the storyline here, but um, it was a bit random, wasn't it? It was just it was. like maybe long term storyline as the storytelling as the kids say today. But <laughs> well, maybe maybe yeah. I, I'd look for. I, I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, effectively, we got Flair shouting, "The total package is here. Here he is. The total package." Mm. He's six foot five. He's two hundred and seventy pounds. He's totally the total package, and Luger's just kind of stood there, um, in his ring gear, in his wrestling gear, just kind of stood there. And then the microphone gets pointed to Lex, and Lex just goes, "Well, some things never change. You're still a bit much, aren't you?" And then just gets out the ring and walks off. And it's like, "Well, why did you come out? I don't understand the point <laughs> at all." <laughs> no. I think if um, you like haven't seen the W previous when Lex Luger was in there, you mm-hmm. wouldn't know what he was referencing at all. I mean, no, just, uh, no unless, yeah, I was like, just this, he was on WWF two weeks ago before this, and then he just shows up, and now he's just inserted himself into two storylines. It's a bit random. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, we we get a War Games promo after this, for, which is the main event of Fall Brawl, which is the pay-per-view in, uh, what's that be, effectively six days, I guess, after this episode of Nitro. And then we get our buddy Wall Street, don't we, Danny? Your fa- <laughs> your, your favourite from last week, Michael, yep. Michael Wall Street, which for some reason is now called VK Wall Street, a blatant attempt at having a dig at Vincent Kennedy McMahon. That's yep. what that's about. <laughs> and he's facing Sting. What did you think of this? This, uh, as a match, it was, I enjoyed the match itself, but I just couldn't get past the character of VK Wall Street. I mean, just, um, yeah, as I said it last week, it was just, uh, it just too on the nose for me, I think. Um, and Sting did his best to get a good, uh, both of them actually really good wrestlers, but yeah, it just, I just couldn't get past that gimmick. But, um, yeah, uh, the one highlight I did write down on this is, Michael, um, Steve McMichael said, uh, Raw is named after cooked eggs, uncooked eggs. Yes. Which, uh, <laughs> I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, you just know. before that, yeah. Eric Bischoff says, and this is, the, this is one of those famous lines that's quite iconic, uh, that famous, a, a ploy that WCW had because they were live and, of course, Raw was pre-taped a lot of the time, or, or pretty much all the time. Eric Bischoff here during, I think it was Sting's entrance, says something along the lines of, by the way, if you're thinking of checking out the competition or if you've got the remote in your hand and you're thinking of turning over to the competition, don't bother. It's two or three weeks old. Shawn Michaels beats the big guy with a super kick you couldn't even win a green belt with. It's just like, okay. (laughs) I, I, I... Love that. I've especially in like you know, if you think nowadays you've got AEW and WWE, particularly AEW, taking little pot shots at each other. But here you've got this is all pre-internet. I mean, you did yeah. 
before pre-internet as we know it today i guess you didn't have what you've got now and no. they're having these little snide digs and giving away results from the other show and, and all that sort of stuff nowadays on twitter people be going mad calling eric yeah. bush off out for it and saying it's disgusting <laughs> at the time I, I'm, I'm looking back now and thinking this is this is fantastic. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Is effectively, an, an episode and a half into WCW now, you've yep. already seen little snide comments here and there, and little things done like VK Wall Street and so on. What yep. are your thoughts on the whole WCW kind of poking the bear, so to speak? I'm with you. They can They do age well because it's like some of them floated under the radar because uh, we a lot of these episodes did not get recorded by people. Um, but you, they, they do to me, they age well because it, it just shows like, Oh, how far they were willing to go. Um, the irony with, um, Eric Bischoff calling out Shawn Michaels super kick is years after this, he would be taking that very same super kick, um, which I found was funny because you never, it just shows you, you never know where life takes you, but yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. There are some some quite ironic moments, I guess, we're going to experience mm. with this watchback. I mean, for example, in, in this same match, that they're, they're talking about Luger saying Luger left the WWF nine days ago for real competition, uh, which is fair enough. That's, that's, I understand that. Uh, he literally left the Bush Leagues, is another comment. Mm. Later on in the show, they mentioned that Luger... Sorry, not Luger. They, they mentioned that the world champion in the WWF is was mid-card level at best in WCW. Of course, they're referring in 95 to Kevin Nash, who was wow. Diesel in the <laughs> WWF. He went on to be a massive part of the NWO and a long-term <laughs> champion. So again, it's quite ironic when you see these mm. comments of them, them shooting you know, barbs at the opposition when they're <laughs> the opposition, and then they sign for them, and it's completely different. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Um, we get obviously, you know, Sting wins that. He's not going to drop the United States title to, to the VK Wall Street. He wins it with a high cross body, and there we get comments of like you said, like you said, Danny about Raw that WWF have named their show after a load of uncooked eggs being raw and and so on. <laughs> and then we get a promo for the weekend again with the main event program and Saturday night WCW and the four brawl pay-per-view and apparently this weekend is the debut of the disco inferno oh, wow. Danny, do you know disco inferno <laughs> yes uh, i do uh, i've seen him on tna episodes and random things um yeah he's a character you can say that <laughs> not it's sure about the, the, the real uh, life person but as a character yep it should mm. be interesting to see but um, I don't think I'll be watching Saturday Night uh, WCW. Um, have you seen uh, much of that? Yeah, yeah, I used to watch quite a bit of it because uh, before, literally before this, before Nitro became a thing, WCW Saturday Night was was their their show. That's what they did. Oh. That was their that was their big show. That was what they had. WCW Saturday Night. Oh wow! And that would be promoting, building up to the pay per views, the Clash of Champions, and so on. And what we had was a syndicated program. I suppose in a way similar to a Velocity or a Sunday Night yeah. Heat, maybe, or you know, one of the smaller shows that WWF used to run. Yeah. WCW had one very similar that was called Worldwide. Yeah, now that used to be edited at, uh, and it would be sections of Saturday Night Main Event and all. Uh, so sorry, WCW Saturday Night and so on. Yeah, and that's what we used to get in the oh. UK 
Wow. Around 1991, 92-ish on a Saturday afternoon for an hour. Yeah. We'd get WCW Worldwide. It would always be about a month behind. But <laughs> I didn't know that. I was 10 years old. I didn't yep. know it was a month behind. We'd never get to see WCW Saturday night at that time frame. Yeah. We'd never get the pay-per-views they were hyping. We'd, uh, we'd see clips of Sting and Flair, and we'd see interviews with the big names. But our main event would always be something complete trash on worldwide because it was you know, <laughs> just a throwaway show. But to mm. me, as, as a wrestling fan, nine, ten years of age in the UK, worldwide was fantastic because it was on ITV on a Saturday afternoon. Mm. So I didn't have to pay for it. I could sit down and watch it every single week. And to me, it was the it was all I had. So I loved yeah. it. So that's how I saw quite a bit of um, how quite a bit of WCW Saturday night because it would get cut up and chucked into Worldwide, I guess. Hmm. Wow, I didn't know that. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, yeah, this was part of the the sad existence we had to go through back in those days, my friend. We didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have such luxuries as the WWE Network back then. No, like, <laughs> definitely not. No. <laughs> After we get the glorious news to for us to get us all excited and you know really looking forward to the following weekend in '95 of the Disco Ferno's day in Ferno's debut, we have Scott Norton versus Randy Savage. Mm. Holy crap! Scott Norton's a strong dude. Oh yeah. Absolutely jacked, absolutely jacked. I mean, just uh, the the crowd went wild for Macho Man here. Um, mm. Yep, they didn't do for uh, Scott Norton. Uh, I, f- I feel he was a virtual unknown at this point. I mean, I, I don't remember reading any big Scott Norton moments. Um, but yeah, yeah. What did you think of this match? I loved it. I thought this was great. I really enjoyed it. I mean, Scott Norton was massive in Japan. Uh, I, I believe Scott Norton actually held the OWGP Championship at one point. Mm. I'm going to have to check that out. So I'm fairly certain he did have a run of it. Uh, and I think he was also part of the NWO Japan when that yeah. happened. Um, so he was, he was a big deal in Japan. He hangs around WCW for quite a while in different formats, d- d- different roles and so on. But here, this match I thought was, was, was awesome. He looked like an absolute powerhouse. Mm. And Savage, I think, made him look brilliant. Randy yeah. Savage is not a small fella. Randy Savage yeah. is whatever he is, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". And Randy Savage, I think, was around 230, 240 in his prime. So he's, yeah. he's not a small guy. No. However, Scott Norton, he hits a, a massive powerbomb that makes it look like he's throwing a cruiserweight around. He, there's yeah. a moment where he catches Savage as Savage comes off the top rope into a bear hug. There's just moments that I'm looking at. I'm thinking, this guy is insane. He's so strong, so powerful. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I mean, I, I did write this down. I said uh, I expected this to be a squash, but it was a very even, evenly yoked match. Mm. And uh, I was Savage did a lot, like you said, to put over Scott Norton here, and I think he succeeded in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, Savage comes away with the win. Yeah. But Scott Norton to me comes away looking like the star of this match to me. Yeah. He looks like he, you know, he, his his stock has risen in this contest, uh, but sadly, I suppose we got to cover the finish. Uh, yeah. do, you want, do, you want to, do you want to talk us through that through that, Danny, and the uh, the glorious run-ins that we have? I this oh the Dungeon of Doom running oh yeah, yeah that yeah it. What else can you say? <laughs> um, the Dungeon of Doom they, they attacked both. Um, and then just, yeah, kind of just, uh, 
rolled that down that they just ran in and uh I think I was in a hurry to just forget about this, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise for reminding you. Yeah, yeah. basically, we get the run-ins from the Dungeon of Doom again because the four-brawl main event at the weekend is Team Hogan, which is Hogan, Sting, and Savage. They're down to three men because Vader is AWOL, wink, wink, and um, they're facing the Dungeon of Doom, which is a four-man team. So they ran in to attack Savage here. But somehow Shark ends up lying on Scott Norton's legs, which means that Scott Norton can't kick out. So Savage hits the elbow, covers him. The referee counts to three, even though Shark is blatantly in. I mean, you can't miss the guy. He's freaking massive. He's just leant across Scott Norton's legs and the ref just turns a blind eye, counts to three anyway. There's a bit of a scrap. And it's eventually Scott Norton jumps up. He's pissed off because Shark has cost him the match. The Dungeon of Doom run away from Scott Norton, and you're kind of thinking, okay, that was a good match, but the Dungeon of Doom kind of turned it into a turd in the end, mm. and an unmemorable one as well. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. But we then come to what Eric Bischoff at the top of the show described as the match of the century. I think you're exaggerating a little bit there, Eric. I'm not <laughs> going to Hold on, WCW over-exaggerating? No, no. I, I think just a touch, just a touch. But the match of the century here is Lex Luger in his first match since returning to WCW, facing Hulk Hogan for the WCW World Championship. Luger comes out. Obviously, this guy's their new signing. He looks fantastic. He walks out, he poses, and they cut to an advert. Brilliant. <laughs> Just typical. Yeah, yeah. Hogan, on the other hand, comes out, stacks a pyro, tons of pyro. The camera never leaves Hogan. Um, what did you think of this one, buddy? How did you think this one went down? This was uh, a lot better than last week's main event. Um, I'd say uh, Lex Luger looked quite strong here as well. Um, yeah, I think both of them just... Uh, the, the torture act to me is one of the best finishes I've ever seen. Uh, and I was quite shocked that uh, he had it on for quite a long time. Um, but uh, yep, we get the usual uh, Dungeon of Doom run in, which was expected to lead to the pay-per-view. Um, it was quite a slow start though. I will say that. Yeah. What did you think? I, I enjoyed it. It was for two guys who I suppose are not renowned for their great wrestling ability, especially mm. in 95. I mean, Luger in the late 80s, he could go. Uh, Luger in 87, 88, with the right opponent, obviously. But Luger had a bit about him. Uh, but 1995, Hulk Hogan. 1995, Lex Luger. You're not really going to expect... A, you're not going to expect Flair versus Steamboat, are you? Let's no, be honest. No. <laughs> uh, Lu, uh, sorry, Hogan does dish out some wrestling moves, though. We see a drop toe hold, a hammer lock, going into a front face lock and so on, which is quite pleasant to see. And then we get to the silliness, I suppose. Hogan hits a vertical suplex, which Lex jumps up from and no-sells. The crowd cheer for this. Hogan then does the same. Lex vertical suplexes Hogan. Hogan jumps up and no-sells. And the crowd actually boo a little bit here. They mm. boo Hogan a touch, which is really interesting to me. Mm. You know? Uh, yeah. No, so gone. No, I was going to say, it's following uh, to the eventual what will happen. Um, it's actually really interesting to find out when this started or to follow along with it. Mm. Yeah, week by week. Um, yeah, I, I think everyone's just kind of tired of it by this stage. It's been going on mm. for so long, you know? But Yeah. 
<laughs> there we go. I mean, the rack, as you said, that the the, the the torture rack is one that Luger gets Hogan in. I think that was impressive, just because Hogan's such a massive bloke, mm. you know. And Luger thinks that Hogan's given up and he's won, but that doesn't that that's not the case. And that, of course, is when the Dungeon of Doom run in. And oh dear me, Kamala and Shark yep. and Zodiac and oh my word! Just when I'm sat there, uh, th- these last two episodes of Nitro, I've been sat there really, really enjoying it. And then here comes Sullivan and his gang of goons, mm. and it just—it's uh, like—it's like 1987, 88, 89 WWF, the cartoony WWF, stuck mm. in the mid 90s. It really is. It doesn't feel like it really fits. No. No, I mean, it's easy to see why they faded out when the NWO comes, but <laughs> mm. I mean, that was the scary thing. I think this might have worked if they were baby faces, to be honest. Um, it might may have worked. I'll, I'll, I'll stress oh, the, that. <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom, you mean? Uh, yes, yeah. Okay, uh, talk me through that train of thought then. That's really interesting because that's not something I'd have considered. Yeah, I, I was thinking that when they was running down, I think because they're so silly, it would be something like um, the oddities in the WWF but they're so silly that you can't take them seriously. So you, the crowd might as well get into them rather than oppose them. But, um, I mean, I stress may. I mean, that may have just gone down the toilet as well. But <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, first time seeing them, I couldn't uh, take them seriously as heels at all. I mean, it was just too cartoonish. I mean, I, I'll just liken them to the oddities uh, in the mm. WWF. I'll tell you what, I'd never, I'd never thought of that. That's a really interesting way of looking at things. And I suppose being huge, got well, Kevin Sullivan wasn't massive, but larger than life in character, I suppose. Yep. The likes of Shark and so on. They're massive blokes, big cartoony gimmicks. Mm. They could have potentially sold a lot of merch to the young kids. Yeah. Being these over the top cartoony. But I suppose in a way we're then we're then going into the realms of what WWF were doing at the time with the cartoony gimmicks as well, potentially. Yeah. But I, I, I've never thought of it that way before. You, you might be onto something there. That's a really interesting way of looking at it, Dan. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Dungeon Dream come out. Sting, Savage, run in. Hogan, Sting, Savage, and so on. See off the Dungeon of Dream. Mean Gene pops his big, bold bonts into the ring. And they all have a bit of a convo. <laughs> and it seems like, I mean, I could be way off here, but it seems like they've got X amount of minutes left. And it's longer than they planned for. Mm. So they're really trying to fill those few minutes at the end of the show. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. There's a lot of stalling, wasn't there? And a lot of repeating words and things like that. <laughs> yeah, basically, obviously, Sting, Savage, and Hogan are a three man team. A man down going into the War Games match at Four Brawl. Sting, who is Lex Luger's buddy. I mean, we're going to come across that a great deal. Sting and Luger being buddies and, and so on. It's, it gets quite comical towards the end of the run. But Sting being Luger's buddy is vouching for his friend and saying, this guy could be our fourth man. I trust him. Savage is saying, oh, hell no. I'm having no part of that. So the final decision comes down to Hogan. Hogan seems to take what it seems like roughly three hours to figure out the question he's being asked here. He doesn't quite yeah. understand what's going on. No, he doesn't. Uh, even with Jimmy Hart there as well, screaming and making a lot of random noises. Um, Jimmy Hart pisses yeah. me off. <laughs> I can't stand him. You know, but, I, um, I, I appreciate as a manager. Yeah. As a heel manager. Yeah. Fine. 
I don't get Jimmy Hart as a babyface manager. Don't no, get it. No, he is a very punchable face. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not yeah. the only thing. But, I mean, uh, yeah, even with him screaming uh, in Hulk Hogan's face, Hulk still didn't uh, seem to grasp what was going on there. But, um, yeah, it was, I think, like you said, it was stalling. It, there was, it was killing time until the, they went off the air. Um, and it was so obvious, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, yeah, and ultimately Luger is allowed to be part of the four brawl war games team. So that comes to that brings us to the end of this second episode of Nitro. Uh, and I suppose next week we will be looking at four brawl nineteen ninety five. There is, I'll say ahead of time, some good, some bad, and a hell of a lot of cringy. So, Danny, I apologise in advance for that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> before we go, we do the usual. We need a good point and a bad point from this episode. We need a woo and an oh, brother. Danny, let's start with you, my friend. What's your woo? What's your oh, brother? Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. The woo of the week was definitely um, Sabu, the way Sabu was presented, um, a DQ finish or reverse decision aside, definitely the way uh, he came out and the way he was booked to look strong. Uh, and the oh brother was, uh, I would say, just VK Wall Street uh, just being on the uh, television, to be honest. You don't <laughs> like him at too- all, do you? No, no. <laughs> I um, think I much prefer him as IRS and as WWF, but um, yeah. Well, that's the second, that's two shows we've done. <laughs> and both of your old brothers Thanks. have been Barry, uh, both of your old brothers have been Bray Wyatt's dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about yours? What's yours, sir? Uh, my woo is Scott Norton. I thought the guy looked like mm. an absolute monster. Mm. I thought, you know, a real plus point to this episode was, was Scott Norton. He was, that was a woo for me. He was awesome. My old brother is just, uh, ironically enough, considering the quote, it's just Hogan. Mm. You know, I, I loved Hogan as a kid. And I love Hogan in the NWO. But this kind of middle ground baby face Hogan in 95 is just bleh. <laughs> it's just everything he does. I just think, oh, stop it. You know, it's I just the promo is no good. And I just it's just not good. It's just not it's, good. It's very insincere, isn't it? Just yeah. the way he's going on. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the the comment, the interviews with Luger and the no selling of moves and just stop it. It's just, <laughs> but there we go. There we yeah. go. So then overall, what are we looking at then, Danny? What are we looking at? Is this show a hit, a miss, or is it somewhere in the middle? I would say somewhere in the middle um, because uh, the there was there was a lot of good in this, but there was more bad in this episode than last week, in my opinion. I mean, last week they were just throwing everything out, so this week was a bit more controlled. But I would say, give this one a, a middle uh, place in the yeah. middle. How about you, sir? Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. I, I suppose top end of middle potentially. There was there was enough there for for me to be entertained. Sting was good, uh, you know. The opener was excellent, I thought. Scott Norton Savage was great, you know, but it's just yep. the Hogan stuff, the Dungeon of Doom drags it down. You know, I, I can't say this show was a hit like last week. This is very much, uh, this is this is in the middle for me, mate. Yep. Yeah, I agree, I agree. <laughs> so then, Danny, Colin McCaldy himself, the middleweight <laughs> champion of all of Kent, can we tell everybody where they can find you online, my friend? 
Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. I may not sound Scottish, but trust me, I am. Um, <laughs> it's a gimmick. <laughs> yep, it's a gimmick. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Um Now, you can find me uh, also on uh, A Changing Attitude, where myself, Mags, Tanner, and Ori are um, d- dissecting the uh, WWF Attitude Era, uh, which has been brilliant. I've been on there for about six weeks now, and it's been excellent. Uh, and you can also find me on an upcoming show called One Man's Meat Podcast with the excellent Chris Bellis, where we uh, discuss the musky annals of professional wrestling to to see if they were any good or if they were any bad. But yeah, that's where you can find me. How about you, sir? Yeah, thank you. You can find me absolutely all over the place, really. You can find me doing a great deal of stuff with the awesome people at Radio Techers. Uh, for example, the Doctor Who pod, which is with our good buddy Dan Griffin. You can find that via Radio Techers. You can find The Waiting Room with Benny Mac and myself looking at Quantum Leap week by week. That show there also via Radio Techers. The SJP pod, as and when it comes out there. Chain Wrestling with our good friend Magsy live every Monday night, but also there is an audio version that drops every Wednesday of the live show. So please go and seek that out. And the best way of finding all of my content I'm involved in is searching me out on Facebook, SJP, all the shows and info is the group you need there, or on Twitter, at SJP Words. But most importantly, you can find this show on Facebook and Twitter, at Nitro underscore Nights. Give it a follow, engage with the show, tell us your favourite Nitro WCW moments, tell us memories that you have, tell us things that you hated, things you're looking forward to us covering, in the future weeks, and it won't be straight away, but it will be in the future weeks. Danny and I have mentioned about getting guests on to look at certain pay-per-views, maybe a certain clash of the champions, etc., etc. By all means, reach out for that. Uh, just engage with the show. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if there's anything you want us to do, any moments of the show, any sections of the show you think we can improve on. Ultimately, me and Danny are doing this, well, from a selfish standpoint, we're doing this for me because I bloody love WCW. But on another point, we're doing this because I want to see Danny's reaction. And I want to hear your reactions to Danny's reaction. So please let us know there. So that is at SJP words at nitro underscore nights. Get in contact with the show. Danny, next time I speak with you, my friend, we'll be looking at our very first pay-per-view for mm. Brawl 1995. You looking forward to this? Absolutely. It's something I've never seen before. So really looking forward to it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know any of the cards I don't know anything like that so maybe that's why I'm looking forward to it I reckon that is probably why you are I yeah. know the, I, I know the card and I'm not so keen so no. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go Danny next time I speak to you we'll be looking at a war games match I believe yep. the renegade Hogan sorry Hogan in war games with his rabble versus the nonsense that is the dungeon of doom and oddly, Ric Flair versus his best bud, Arn Anderson. Yeah. Follow us, please, at Nitro underscore Nights. Danny, thank you so, so much, my friend. Thank you very much. And to everyone else, thank you for listening. Thank you.